Hi and welcome to Defining Boundaries, a podcast about the interesting characters from our surveying and spatial industry and their unique perspectives on life and our industry. I'm Peter Cox and I use my 25 years of contacts as a surveyor and teacher to dig deep into the lives of others. Each fortnight, I delve into the life and times of people from all over the world who share the same profession and passions. Don't forget to subscribe to my channel, like, comment, feel free to share with your friends. Do you have a question about the surveying or spatial industry? Or would you like to join me for a chat? Or would you like to hear from someone in particular? If so, send me a message on LinkedIn or Instagram and we can catch up. This week, join me while I chat with Dr. Glenn Campbell from the University of Southern Queensland. So grab your drink, sit back and relax while we chat. Defining Boundaries with Peter Cox. Hi, and welcome to Defining Boundaries. My guest today is Glenn Campbell. Glenn is a registered cadastral surveyor in Queensland and also the head of surveying and spatial science discipline at University of Southern Queensland, also known as USQ. Glenn has been in the surveying industry for 30 years, working in private practice before becoming an educator about 17 years ago. He was born in Brisbane and grew up between Brisbane and Townsville. He has a love for sport and still plays soccer and likes to read a lot about history. While his first choice of a career was to be a scientist, as a kid, he was always taking stuff apart, but apparently not so good at putting it back. He completed work experience in surveying in Townsville, Townsville uh, but that put him off. So he completed a maths and physics degree when he left school. He started chaining at a small practice in 1990 and went on to complete his studies. He has won awards in the Gundawindi Cricket Association Batting Aggregate 2001 and 2002. Well done. Don't like cricket, but well done. And the Asia Pacific Award for Education and Professional Development in the Spatial Excellence Awards in 2014. Welcome, Glenn, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thanks, Peter. And and in my own defence, that that Gundawindi Batting Aggregate I thought it was sarcastic. I re- wouldn't realise you'd read that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. I take it all seriously. <laughs> and, and you've displayed your southern credentials by calling it Gundawindi. Ah, how do you say it? Low, but it's pronounced with a U, so it's Gundawindi. Gundawindi. So it's, it's I, I tell you what, every, every one of my introductions, I've got a name or something wrong. So, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm batting at my average. <laughs> Okay, so you were born in Brisbane. Um, Did you stay there for long or when was it when you moved to Townsville? Um, Oh, yeah, good question. I think, yeah, so the start of grade seven, so that makes me 11. Okay. 11 going on 12. Mm -hmm. So we we went to Townsville for about five years. Dad dad was sent there. He used to sell two-way radios, you know, this is a long way before mobile phone, so he was sent there to set up an office in Townsville. And so I've got one brother, my brother, my mum and I headed north and were there for about five years and then came back to came back to Brisbane after that. Yeah, okay. 
So you knew no one in Townsville when you moved up there? Uh, not a job. My my whole knowledge of Townsville before we left was they had cyclones. No. <laughs> and not and not that they did the time we were there, but but the whole they used to have on the radio the big sort of cyclone whoop whoop warning mm -hmm. always uh, always would wind you up um, but they I managed to avoid avoid it in the time I was there did um so you pretty much did your whole high school in Townsville then is that right yeah the start started well in Queensland we sort of had junior and then senior so the last two years is it was senior so I came back at the start of what we call grade 11, which is the start of sort of your senior study. So yeah. I, was there, I was there for, um, yeah, pretty much the start of that. So, yeah. so once it really matters for, for uni entrances, um, I was back in Brisbane, yep. Brisbane yeah. there. And it was funny to come back to the same school I've been at when I left and, and to have all these young boys sort of stretched out into young men, you know, like all with the, <laughs> the same face on, on a different body. And I remember walking in, because I started a few weeks um, into the year and uh, a guy, Tony at the front going, just give me this look, I know you. <laughs> oh, and I know you too. So that was, <laughs> yeah, that was, it was good to come back. So you finished, uh, so is it, it's year 12 in Queensland? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And is that when you went straight into your maths physics degree? Yeah, and that was in the days of, um, I've kind of never had a plan. Uh, mm -hmm. I recognise this in, in retrospect. So I, I think I might allude to, I just thought I like science, I'll go do a science degree. And it was, it was back in the day where you had the big, the big book, pre-internet and everything. So I just opened up to the science, science faculty and just crossed out all the bits of science I didn't want to do. Yeah. And was sort of left with maths and physics and went, okay, that'll do, uh, away we go. Um, so, so off I went. And on my own, own little Todd, um, and it, it was funny. Like back in the day, you could you could do. Uh, you probably still can at, at UQ all this stuff at a at a sort of pass level or an honours level. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of funny. I don't know if you know the uh, UQ, the ruling class of universities in 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 Queensland. And so everyone goes, well, obviously I'm going to do honours. So we had 90 in our class in first semester and 13 in our class in second semester as everyone else kind of went, oh, geez, <laughs> they really mean it. <laughs> yeah, and, and in the maths, it was uh, like, like I, I sort of do maths the way other people chop wood. Like it, it's all about functional, but, but we'd start, we started from set theory, you know, like there's 12, 12, 10 axioms of set theory, one of which there is such thing as a set. And then the second one is you can have a set with nothing in it. And then proceeded to prove all the functions. Now, literally, oh, it sounds like so much fun. <laughs> proving two plus three is the same as three plus two, and, and that really did not nothing. But but all the physics stuff was much, much more practical. Yeah. Okay. So when you finished your degree, where did you go to from there? Oh nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, like it was. Like I was a little dis disillusioned about it. Oh, not disillusioned. It just there's not like there's a difference when you go to uni, say, and, and no doubt we'll get on to surveying. Like you go and do a surveying degree, it's a this is an entry into a career, into a path. I do this degree to be a surveyor at the end of it. If you do a general science degree, like it, it, it's not vocational in that sense. 
So I was getting towards the end and well, what am I going to do about it? The plan always was then because there's, there's honours levels, you do honours and then you go into some sort of research or higher degree. And, and at the time, I didn't want to do that. I actually thought about doing social work for a while because wow. for a, my part-time job was, um, I used to work for a group running retreats for, um, at the time in Brisbane, most of the Catholic schools were um, single sex. Mm-hmm. And so we would do retreats with three male schools, three female schools, like six kids from, from each and, and do a weekend. That was kind of the, the, the first bit was, you know, about yourself and then the next bit about and other people, like relationship stuff. And the, and the third bit was, you know, your relationship with, with God without getting too, um, too fully into it. So I, I was employed to run weekends with that and um, actually met my wife was a student teacher on one of those, so that's where I, where I met her. Um, so like I was mixing with a whole bunch of people, you know, like a whole social justice bent. And so I thought I might do a, um, be a social worker, but I just sort of fell off and kind of had a year going nowhere, doing, you know, like I did some sheet metal work and a whole bunch of ca- casual jobs and casual work. Um, and to, to get to the next next bit, I had a had a mate John, who um, a lovely guy was was prone to um, what would you say? Um, to word imp- had poor impulse control, we might say. So he'd been on a holiday and had went sailing, and so he thought, I'm going to buy a yacht. So he bought a yacht. Nice, oh, you and- do. <laughs> If you do well, he sold his house and bought a yacht, which is kind of very, very Johnish, and was living on a yacht in the Brisbane River. And so we started sailing it, and we really didn't have much idea. But but one of his mates was a draftsman for a surveying company, uh-huh. and one of the directors uh-huh. at the surveying company had sort of grown up down the coast on boats. And so John Bowman, as was, became the brains of the operation. So John and his partner Kev. Um, started sailing with us and yeah. then they needed just a, a casual trainee and so I needed I needed to work, work and then that sort of turned into their, their business was, was growing a bit and so I went and, and I think with them you know John especially I think was smart enough to go well this guy isn't going to be a trainee all his life and yeah. so I said listen yeah. if you want to do the degree we'll give you part-time work and so um, I drafted plans for them at night and and studied for the next three years during the day, which yeah, was okay. which is a good way to do it. Yeah, well, it's a um, it, it's funny how some people fall into their career. Oh, and you see, like like now, like you explain my position at the uni, and I've had a lot to do with. I get all the expos and and have a lot to do with students who are making their mind up about whether they want to do it. And we've got, especially USQ, the profile is much more heavily um, second careers or, or older people. We, do, we don't get a lot of those straight from school um, group. And so we get guys from all, all over the shop, but lots of them are just, you know, especially not necessarily with a plan and surveying, they kind of come and, and and as you know, surveyors in general are kind of like laid back men and women. Nice. And I think that's the vibe, the vibe they like, which which is the downside is a little less proactive. 
And so when it comes to that point when you're making decisions about what you're going to do with your life, mm. lots of people who are happy being surveyors kind of tend to drift until at some point in their life, bang, surveying gets plonked down in front of them and they go, much like I did, um, oh, yeah, that'll do. Yeah, like this, this is pretty cool. But I said, I'm not a huge planner of life. Yeah. My, academic, my academic career is pretty much the same as well. You know, going, oh, oh yeah, I'm getting a bit bored. What else can I do? And yeah. the, the opportunity yeah. came up and I thought, oh, yeah, why not do this for a bit and see what happens? And so next where thing did you, know, you do? Oh, sorry. Well, okay. I was gonna say, where did you do your um, study yeah. degree in Spain? Uh, that was at QUT at, at the time. So, and yeah, that's the so same QUT. place you did your maths one? No, that was... Queen, Queensland Uni, I guess, no. I guess the difference for New South Wales people, Queensland Uni, you would kind of be probably going to offend someone here, like your Uni of Sydney, uh -huh. um, whereas, no, what actually, it probably makes more sense in a Melbourne context, QUT would be RMIT and Uni of Melbourne would be UQ, you know, okay. that, that, kind, that kind of difference, so it was, QUT was originally QIT, Queensland Institute of Technology, and then in the in the Dawkins era turned into a university. Right. And they're so both in the more. Brisbane area. Yeah, so that's in St. Lucia and QUT's in the downtown just next to the Botanic Gardens. Or mm -hmm. they they've they've since acquired other campuses yeah. around the place, but, but the main one's just just on the river. So that was good. I was living in West End um, at the time. You know, I was living in a house <laughs> The house, because the, the guys who next to where I worked and, and they owned it and they're intending to knock it all down and turn it into warehouses. So this is a, a Queenslander that had seen much better days. <laughs> and I remember we got we got ripped off one night, um, took the TV and got a vacuum cleaner, so, which I was really dirty about. And um, <laughs> so when the cops came, you know, this is our stuff's gone, we're students. And, um, and the cop goes, yeah, you know, guys, probably just thought the house was abandoned and broke in and went, oh, whoopee, you know, this was not a, a master crime. Jeez, it was that yeah. bad. <laughs> oh, yeah, it, it was. Like, like West End, West End, so this is early 90s. Um, West End's had a lot of facelifts since then, a lot of gentrification, mm -hmm. but, but it was like um, at the time still a whole bunch of those inner city were, were real, you know, working class kind of kind of right. areas yeah. and lots of students yeah. and really sort of bohemian and and it's it's clung to a bit of that notwithstanding down on the river there's just heaps of units and, and everything now and and people sort of complain complaining about the smell of poor people but um but <laughs> oh, it was sad, it? <laughs> it was a really handy place handy place to live handy place to have a surveying practice because you're you're quite central um and so i could i could walk into town i used to ride a bike until the first time I had a few drinks after lectures and tried to ride the bike home and thought, ah, oh, might be better to walk. <laughs> <laughs> Council buses going past you, you're going, yeah, yeah, no, this was a poor choice. I'll walk from here on in. And and so so you can't. So it's like three years of walking in and out to lectures. So along Melbourne Street, I knew where every screw and nail and reference mark was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't help as a surveyor to walk along. Um, and just look for survey marks. You're always and, looking down, aren't you? <laughs> I know a surveyor whose wife reckoned she could pick a surveyor in the street just by the way they walked and the fact that they never looked up. They spent the whole time walking 
looking at the ground, but it's uh, <laughs> part of the gig. So did you get your, yeah, sorry, do you have kids? Yeah, I've got a truckload, you know, okay. we, we, got, we got four. So um, once you have to leave the standard sedan behind and get the bus, you know, all bets are off. But, um, <laughs> I know that my youngest, we used to go away or we would be walking somewhere, somewhere and um, I had him that well trained that he'd go, oh, look, mum, there's a drill hole and wing. Do you need to take a photo? <laughs> I I went, it's, it's funny, I, I was in, so, so rolling, I do that whenever I go overseas, you're always looking for survey marks, mm. I take photos, and I was with an, a, an American colleague, I think we're in, in Italy, I just stopped to take these photos, and she just thought it was the funniest thing in the world, <laughs> that a man would take a photo of a, like, a, it was like a, a brass tag yeah. in, in, the, in the pavement, and um, so since then, she's, she's at the, uh, Uni University of California, she'll periodically just send me a photo when she's overseas of the survey mark. And and she had she went to she went to Berkeley and this they, they had a art exhibition of a guy which was just photos of permanent marks was the was the art oh. exhibition all framed and and so uh, yeah she sent me all those photos from there. So, That's so yeah we're, we're a funny bot. Because there's a Facebook group, which is Survey Marks. Yes, there yeah, is. You can sign up. There is. I think, um, I actually think uh, Chris might have put me onto that one. Um, uh, yeah, could, could well have. That, that sounds yeah. a bit, um, the Chris we're talking about is Chris McAllister, I take it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who knows everyone and, and, and anyone. Um, Think my wife about the spotting the survey marks is she got really good at it. I'd have to make some up when we're doing a competition. <laughs> if ever I fell behind, I'd have to say, Yeah, that's a survey mark. So I'm, I'm relying on the fact she'll never listen to this podcast. I was, I was about to say that. Is she ever going to listen to? <laughs> Oops, I'll, I'll, I'll have to, um, I'll have to, 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 uh, to own up before it gets published. <laughs> I'll let you know when it's going to be on. <laughs> so you finished that. So you did your uni. Um, did you stay mm -hmm. with that same company for a while, or how did how did you then move, move um, along into? Yeah, your pretty much straight after graduation. I remember the discussion with with one of the principals in the, in the in the kitchen just as I was counting down, and he thought I had another year to go, and he kind of went, "Oh, oh, righto. Uh, yeah, let's see what we can do." So they put me on as a graduate. Um, which was good, but this was uh, around 94, yeah. which was the last recession we had. Okay. And, and we're kind of lucky in the sense that a lot of the stuff they did was single lot contour and detail surveys for project builders. Mm -hmm. um, so that, so my job at night was to draft up these plans because they had like a one week turnaround from instruction for the builders because it was the for quoting purposes. Mm. So yeah. that bit, the downturn probably showed up in that first. And so I was able to sort of jump into a bigger surveying company before everyone noticed there was a recession on the way. Um, yeah. So I, I, was like, I was lucky there. And, and I was thankful that they kind of made that decision to, to go, okay, they were smart enough to see this coming. And and they they sort of looked after their people, um, yeah, which, which is good. And and that 
that's been my experience generally through through the industry. Anyone else I've, I've worked through, work with, or for, yeah. Um, yeah. do seem to have a genuine interest in in their people, and that just makes yeah. it makes it a lot easier. I, I've never really worked for large firms, so that's why coming to the uni was a rude shock to suddenly <laughs> come into this huge bureaucracy. Um, where you need commission very different to a smaller company compared to the the big yeah. the big companies for sure yeah like more opportunity but but a lack of flexibility yeah. and and a whole bunch of um different agendas you know yeah. like, like in, in a small company everyone knows what the main game is is keeping the company profitable because mm -hmm. that keeps keeps you employed and and um and so there is kind of in a small consulting company, there is generally just the one agenda. Um, whereas in a uni, um, there are different sorts of payoffs for different for different people. Yeah. So that's yeah, it's a bit different. Mm. So you you work for the USQ. You're the head of the department. Um, oh yeah, discipline leader they call it. But sorry, just, discipline. Just just wait five minutes they'll they'll do a restructure and um it'll have a different title but essentially survey wise it's it's all my problem yeah so what um how uh how did you end up in that position oh uh, how long is your podcast okay so long <laughs> long story without revealing too much we went so so we had that so I left that firm, worked for another company, uh, Goodwin Mitzvah and Partners, um, for a number of years there. Um, and that was like was a larger company um, and some like uh, Paul Mitzvah, who was one of the directors there, I, was, was an excellent mentor and I've always really appreciated what he, what he did for me. But we kind of got to the stage where, um, I clearly wasn't happy and Diana my wife God love her said well you know quit your bitching either do something about it or quit your bitching I go yeah fair enough and so at the time the time where you'd look in the Courier Mail they'd have the job applications so looking for a cadastral surveyor in Gundawindi which is you know so you're going from Brisbane on the coast at that time a million and a half people or so and Gundy's 350k inland on the Queensland New South Wales border mm. um, with about, mm. about 5,000 people. And so I, I hadn't applied for a job for a while. Thereafter, I was licensed or a cadastral surveyor by that stage. Thereafter, one of those. Um, and so I just rode away and got a phone call from the guy, um, Ralph, and who said, Oh, I'm up in Toowoomba. How about you come and? Um, come and meet me there and we'll, we'll have a chat. And I thought, oh yeah, I'll be polite. But the whole way on the way up, I thought, no, nah, I'm not gonna take this job. Why, why would I wanna live all the way the hell out, out there with no friends, no family, mm. or maybe not quite family, but. Um, but I rocked up and we had a, we had a cup of coffee with, with Ralph and another one of the directors, Pete. Um, I think Ralph was a bit hungover. He'd been at a concert the night before. <laughs> <laughs> but everything he said about the way their operation worked hit the buttons about all the things that I was um, uh, unhappy about where where I was. Yeah. And so 
So I kind of came back and still probably wasn't going going to take the job. But if ever you meet Ralph Kinsella, he could be a persistent bugger. So he just rang up a couple of times and, and you know, gave me a little bit more money. And so Diana and I just went, oh, why not? Because we'd had our, had our first child was it turned one or, or not or not quite. And so we went, oh, just, just yeah, bugger it. So, so Diana wasn't working at the time. She, she's a teacher, so she didn't have to find a job. So we just went. Her father had originally grown up at a place called Garar, which is a bit southwest of Gundawindi on the New South Wales side. Okay. So she had a couple <laughs> of uncles out there. So it wasn't the end of the world. And my grandfather had come from a place called Inglewood, which is another... 100 k's to the east so so it wasn't and and it's, it's hardly like Alice Springs it's, it's not the end of the world um so we we talked to a few people and I was really curious if you've lived out of the big city we had this reaction from a group of people who would just talk to us like we had cancer or something you know like, like no no this is a choice to go and live live in the country we don't have to i've got a job i don't have to but the people i spoke to who who had actually lived outside you know the, the metropolitan centers kind of went oh yeah I, I wouldn't particularly want to do it but i can see why you might yeah um and so that was quite a difference that the people <laughs> they used to talk about the the gundawindi telescope because from Brisbane, well, from Gundy, you look at Brisbane and a telescope, it's really big and it's close and, and all the rest. And the rest of the world in Brisbane looks at Gundy and from the other end of the telescope, where it's tiny and a long way away, you know? <laughs> so so uh, we'd pop up to, to Brisbane for the weekend and, and anyone, and I did have some good friends who'd come out to Gundy. It, it was like they were, you know, they were doing a polar exploration trip. You know, it was such a long way for them, whereas for the rest of us. But... Live, in, live in Sydney, Glenn. You have people who who um, don't want to cross a bridge or complain about travelling 20 minutes to get somewhere in the city. <laughs> yeah, it, it is funny because Diana's got a lot of family in, in Sydney. And the first time, and that's even different from Brisbane, like, mm. like the first time I visited there, we were staying with friends in, oh, I'm going to get this wrong, um, uh, uh, not Redfern, like, like, like somewhere in the Newtown, in Newtown, mm-hmm. and they are in Randwick, and they thought they'd drop us back from Randwick to Newtown, and it was like the whole, okay, they're older people, but it was like the polar expedition yep. to go to Newtown, and it's, it's a 15-minute drive or something, is it? Like, oh, it's yeah. not far. No. Yeah, and... I, and, and London gets like that too, you know, like, like the bigger a city gets, the more, more it becomes a, a whole series of villages clumped together. Like, yeah. like in Brisbane, the big divides the river. Yeah. So, so I've, you know, I'm the outbreeding in my wife's family. I'm, I'm the one from south of the river. <laughs> Everyone else is, is from north of the river. Um, but anyway, so, so we went to Gundy and started producing children and it was really, um, about the best decision we ever made you know like it was it was a it was a great town to be there it was a great town to be to be young mm. there was money in the town which is a little unusual lots of cotton development going on and the company we're involved with did a lot of 
developing cotton farms and also the cadastral boy to, to fa facilitate that. But there are lots of young people like us who hadn't grown up in Gundy with children without other connections. And yeah. so not a whole bunch happens in a country town. So when something does, everyone goes to it. You know, they, they say they'll go to the opening of an envelope and everyone is really mm -hmm. open to making new friends. So, so once you get into your, by this stage, I guess I'm late 20s or so, lots of people have got their established social groups and yeah. it's very hard yeah. to make friends once you get, get older because people have got all these demands on their time. And it was, you know, we had really good neighbours. I think, although Diana won't admit it, we bought the house to get the neighbours, I think, so, so she'd known the wrong <laughs> beforehand and heard that the house next door was coming up for sale. So, so that, that's where I sort of rolled over and went, well, this looks like the house we're going to be living in, so let's, let's go and pay for it. Um, but, yeah, it was fantastic. And I just did stuff in Gundy I would never have done if I stayed in Brisbane. So I've always played a bunch of sport, basketball, and played cricket for a team, Yagaburn. They're about 50k at out of town so it was good to sort of play with with all the cockies and all the rest but I you know I, I was in a um a three-person play for the for the art society as that's funny I was playing the um the young romantic lead if you can believe it so I went people on the podcast won't see I'm I'm quite I'm almost white now at 50 so I started going gray at about 18 or, or so and okay um, and so by the time I'm kind of early 30s when I'm upgrading my license brown just doesn't cut it anymore I've got to, I've got to change my <laughs> so I was playing this young love interest and said oh yeah no we're gonna to have to dye your hair I thought okay that's fair enough so, so they did that back to what I always in my head is my natural color yeah but no one said anything it was just really weird. Like I went from being grey to brown overnight and no one, obviously so polite, <laughs> no one said, hey, weren't you grey yesterday? <laughs> but you can see sort of behind their eyes going, oh, that vain old coot, who does, who does he think he's kidding? Because they always talk about, they would always talk about me and my young wife and Diana was six months older than I was. You know, she, <laughs> <laughs> she used to work in the portal. So unfortunately... It would appear my son, who's 21 now, um, has picked up some of my genetics. So there's grey hair appearing, not quite as bad as me. Um, I blame my mother. <laughs> Strangely, my mother at 75 isn't grey yet, but who would have thought it? Oh, but it's all her fault anyway. <laughs> oh, yeah, I think there's, she, she's, Claire Ole has done fairly well out of CAF over the last 50 <laughs> years, I'd say. She, she, should have, she should have born, bought some chairs early on in the piece. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so Sorry, you spent how many the years? The in... question is, how did I get to, get to well, the Well, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, how many years did you spend in Gundawindi? <laughs> so Gundy was about about six years, and so then we we were kind of like the downside living in the country. So we had by that stage one, two, three, three children, um, three children and a fourth on the way, maybe. Yeah, so, so three children. Yeah, and we're, we're starting to think, so at some point, like, like we, we're, we're not idiots, 
the kids went idiots and you start thinking about, okay, what's, how do we run the education here? Mm. And if you've sending kids to boarding school is not something that we particularly wanted, wanted to do. And so, so the thing is, you know, at some point we're going to have to up sticks and, and where do we go and do that? And that was a problem floating around. And, and part of the problem was the people I was working for were really, really good to work for, mm. you know, and, and you think actually, if I go and do another traits of a hang job, I'm unlikely to have people as simpatico as, as that with me. So, but then the job came up at the uni um, and I'd always like rolling back to day one, this intention of, of going off and doing a PhD and all the rest. And, and if just to you, me and all your listeners, I was never quite sure that whole social work thing, whether that was stopping then, whether that was a legitimate choice yeah. or whether I just had bottled it, you know, thought, you know, like I'm, I'm not actually good enough to, to get a PhD and this is a plausible reason. It's not that I couldn't do it. So I never really knew that this was a chance. The job came up at the uni. I don't even know how I, how I heard about it. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll give that a go because I could go and do most postgraduate work and within a university would make the most sense. Mm. So, so they interviewed me and I jumped in my, my car and drove up to Toowoomba and sort of had a moment. So living in the country for six years and Toowoomba is hardly a metropolis. I had to reverse park once I got to the uni and I just was sitting in the car with this moment going, do I really want to go back to reverse parking? <laughs> I've never reverse park anywhere for six years. Do I really want to do this? Um, and so, so I went and they have an interview and you've, and you've got to give a, give a seminar. And I was quite, I think I was lucky in a sense that the HR people had given me the wrong information about what the seminar was supposed to be about. So I had prepared this fairly tedious thing as you do when you, when you first start teaching, cause you, you're really earnest and all the rest before you work out actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, but it was the wrong thing. Oh. And so on the way out the door from the interview, I, I said, uh, Frank Young, who was the, the, the chair of the panel, oh, listen, mate, I've been told to prepare this. And he goes, no, 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 what, we need this. So I went, oh, righto. So I had an hour to sit in the refect with a piece of paper and just sort of redo it from scratch. Oh, wow. Which meant... <laughs> no PowerPoint. I just walked in and talked for 20 minutes. And partly because what I was asked to talk about is how do you go about teaching surveyors or surveying and, and having, you know, sleeping next door to a teacher for the previous, um, by that stage, 15 years or, or whatever it was, um, 10 years, I'd picked up, you know, sexually transmitted teaching theory. And so I had some, some of the key, key words and all the rest. But you know, but, but it was great because on reflection, my presentation would have been exactly what I turned into, which is, you know, big ideas, a bit of enthusiasm. Because when you teach, it's, it's a persona you're putting on. And, and like I'm, like it is a sense of performance. But mm -hmm. the real me is something different from what the students would see. And it's, it's kind of a means, means to an end. 
partly because you just have to talk so much. I would come back when I started the uni gig and I would just have to sit in the chair because I had years of surveying with me and the Cheney where you might exchange, you, you know, 200 words in a day to spitting out thousands and thousands and just wear me out. So anyway, so I did this presentation and they, they did a queer thing at the time. And I think they did it just so that everyone on the panel could get a free lunch because all the candidates would then, would do their interviews, would sit down to lunch together with the panel and with other, other academic staff and everyone being interviewed for the job. And so that was um, that was a really weird, weird experience, yeah. which meant, you know, like I looked at the rest of the panel and thought, oh yeah, actually I wouldn't mind if any of these got a job. One person I thought, yeah, I don't want them to get it. Uh, so, but driving home, what I really, like I've had six years of undergrad, so driving home going, okay, if they offer me the job, do I want to take it? Yeah. And I was sitting there shuffling, everyone who lectured me, those to the left who I thought I'd be better than, those to the right I thought I'd be worse than. Mm -hmm. And more people ended up on the left than the right. And I sort of thought, yeah, I could, I could give this a crack. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And so we, so we up sticks when our elders, probably quite a few years more earlier than we would otherwise have, because yeah. the elders was just yeah. starting grade two, I think. Um, but we went to Toowoomba which is, it's a country town, but it wasn't, Toowoomba was never the same as Gundy because people are much more established. Like it was so much harder to make connections with people in Toowoomba. We, we did it eventually, mm -hmm. but it but it was, it was hard work because people tend to hang out with those they went to school with still. They've got their social groups already established. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we found the right people eventually. So is that where you're still in that area now? Oh, if only, if only I'd love to be. No, um, so two and a half years, we moved back to Brisbane. So USQ established uh, Springfield campus about 10 years ago, which is in Western Western Brisbane down towards Ipswich. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. five years ago, we started doing surveying there because QUT, when it stopped doing surveying, there's kind of a problem that we were the only surveying program in the state and the Metropolitan Centre had no place to study surveying. Mm -hmm. and, and Australian mm -hmm. unis are, or Australians are quite parochial when it comes to universities. Like, like you, you look at other countries like the UK and the US and Canada, where everyone expects to go away to uni. You know, like everyone goes, you grow up where you go and I go away somewhere else to go to university. Whereas in Australia, we've always had this habit of well, I, the most I'll go will be the metropolitan centre of the state I'm in. Like it's only just starting yeah. now that someone will go and study in, in Melbourne if they've grown up in Queensland. So we never had that. So the question was, well, if QUT isn't offering surveying and, and UQ had given up surveying in the early 90s, um, do we then miss out on a whole bunch of people who would otherwise be, be surveyors would go off and do something else. Mm -hmm. So the first year we kind of looked at it and go, okay, what a whole program's closed down. Our on-campus numbers should should step up, and they didn't go up nearly as big as they should have. And so that was the indication that people weren't willing to travel. 
So, and I can understand that. And, and you would talk to parents, especially like I, with our kids in, even in Toowoomba, the expectation always where the kids would have to go away to uni. And so when my eldest at 17, I remember packing her up to go off and she's actually, today she got her last results for her uh, politics and law degree. So that's one through uni. Oh, um, wow. so, so trooping her off, like it's a really confronting thing because 17, I don't know, doesn't seem that old anymore. <laughs> like no, it, it seems really old when we were 17, but looking <laughs> back on it this way, it looked look very, very small. Um, and so that's fine if you've been stealing yourself for that for five years, that this is what's going to happen. Mm. To us, parents to, to do it just because the child wants to be the surveyor was just an impediment. So, so we started running the surveying program in Springfield and it surprisingly gets now gets the majority of the, the on-campus on campus cohort. So, so that, was, that was growing. And so my son then went off to uni. And so when my third one was heading off to uni, we actually sat down and did the numbers and went, well, it's actually cheaper to move us than it is to have three kids keeping them, keeping them out of home. Um, so we bit the bullet and I moved down, down to the, the Springfield campus with three, three other staff there. Um, and we came to Brisbane and I still, but I, I find the city hard. <laughs> just, just calm down, dudes. Just calm down. It's not, it's not that important. It'll be right. And and now, like in Gundy, my commute, I couldn't get through the ABC news headlines between leaving home and getting to work. And now oh, I've yeah. got. So and how long? Got how long now? In the city. Oh, it's half an hour mm. either way. So they're going, going against the traffic. That's why podcasts are, are fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, Still half podcasts. an hour is not much. Oh, yeah. Well, this is Queensland. No, half an hour is the end of the world. <laughs> I, was doing 45, I was doing 45 minutes and now I do about 20. So I don't even get time to listen to a whole podcast anymore. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it's fantastic. So, So that's... Oh, it swings around about. But what's good, like all the kids are now, they're home yeah. and three of them are house trained, which is a lot better too. So so it's not quite, they're not quite children anymore. Um, well, well, they're, they're adults. But we sort of had the thing, okay, how about you do dinner on Mondays? You do dinners on Tuesdays? Oh, yeah. And they, they really sort of picked that up and it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. So it's, like you don't. And look, it's great to like your children as well as being forced to love them. Mm -hmm. I, I do like them and they're, they're entertaining. So sharing a house with them is not much of a burden. Um, yeah. So that, that's all good. Well, that's nice. Nice that they take a bit of the pressure off because I think that you'd probably have a pretty stressful job doing what you're doing. Oh, uh, stressful. Yeah, Maybe like you're sitting there just rocking in your chair. It's not that stressful. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 busy. Often there's lots of balls to keep up and keep up mm -hmm. in the air, and lots of people keeping happy. And so there's there's 15 staff in the surveying special science discipline. Okay. So so you you've got that for you know looking after 15 staff. There are 670 surveying students 
within the program. And so there's yeah. a lot that comes yeah. with that. And then you've got your, your research and, and your other service. Um, and I've, for the last 15, 16 years, I've been on the surveyors board. So I'm the chief examiner for the Queensland surveyors board. So that's another thing you've got to, you've got to fit in into your life. But mm. like, like part of why I've ended up here, and it was a recognition sort of after the event that I enjoy novelty and universities are really good for that, for being able to run across new stuff and new people and, and interesting things and, and interesting ideas. And, and I guess in consulting, I was perhaps a little bored on in retrospect. Like yeah. I loved, yeah. loved doing rural cadastral work and, mm. you know, that would be the thing that would, would drag me back to it. You know, stuff in and around town, I can kind of take, take it or leave it, but I love doing you know, on on the, the bigger properties. And, and we're a sort of the last cadastral surveyors before you hit Dallas Springs. So, so we used to cover a bit of country oh, at wow. someone else's expense. And yep. that, that was great. Um, but, but yeah, the, the novelty, so that, that's a trade-off, you know, like you can be, you can avoid stress and not do anything new. And that's, that's, that's a way to live. But, but the cost of, trying to do stuff is having to balance a whole a whole bunch of stuff that's worth it in the long run and, and yeah. you know you've caught me two days from going on annual leave and so <laughs> I, I think if you'd ask that question mid-covid when we're trying to work out how to how to run a university program in the middle of a pandemic with 97 moving um i, I think yeah maybe i might have talked about stress stress then but but a lot of it is keeping, like you've got to be really clear-eyed about what's important. Mm. You know, like lots of unis are trying to do heaps and heaps of things and they want you to do heaps and heaps of things and the expectation's always growing and, and you've got to be a bit clear-eyed about, rightio, what is really important. And so I look at our, our program in surveying and, and USQ would be the, the largest program in Australia by a reasonable margin. Yeah, you, you said, go, what, 600-odd students? Yeah, 670, I think. Yeah, so nearly um, 700 students. How many of those are doing it online? About 85%. Yeah. Um, now, yeah, so there'd be 670 enrolled. There's probably only maybe 550 doing a course at any one time because mm -hmm. people tend to take breaks and... And when someone decides to give up, it takes us a couple of years to notice and oh, okay. move them off the system. But but um, so about eighty-five percent external, which is fine. And we always had when I started, you tend to have the on-campus students were the straight from school um, men and women, and they had one set of needs. The externals all tended to work within the surveying industry, and so mm -hmm. you could kind of go, okay, mm -hmm. they're getting a whole bunch of practical stuff. This is our focus with these. We've got to get a whole bunch of pracking of these people in front of us. They're kind of their needs. But, but what's evolved in the last five years, I've been conscious of that there's another group which are effectively school leavers who just go, it's, it's, it's like the thing I had. Do I send my children away to Brisbane? Or, well, do they have to? So we'll have school leavers if they're in Townsville or 
or Maribara or wherever go, okay, I can stay at home. I can keep all my social supports. I've got, I've already got my part-time job. I don't have to go into Brisbane and go mm -hmm. with the thousands of, of new 17 year, 18 year olds we get every year competing for the same Macca's jobs. I can, I can keep all of that and study at, at the same time. Um, so there's that group which are full-time students, but full-time at home students, which is educationally, that, that's another thing we've got to, we've got to deal with. And then we get this year where everyone is full-time at home. Yeah, how, how, um, how did you manage that with um, having to go complete? I mean, I, I guess having already having an online program probably helped, but still, um, still having everybody doing it. It was, there's some weirdness and, and I'd say, you know, hopefully, watch what I say here. Um, <laughs> what, it, what it was is, like you say, we're doing this for 85% of our students year in, year out. Yeah. So we're set yeah. up and the whole thing succeeds. Once that on-campus cohort kind of went online, a whole bunch of the central uni just kind of went nuts about, oh, this is, and, and I spent my whole time going, what's the problem? We do this all the time. Yeah. You know, yeah. so what we just have to do is give these people some skills that the others have, that they've got to acquire them themselves. And that's made us really conscious of, of what we need to do for students starting with us externally about start thinking about what those skills are you need to achieve when you're online and you don't have the supports you would have on campus. So, so our really, most of it, so we have residential schools where students come on campus, they obviously had to be canceled and we had to do some workarounds there. Mostly it was around um, invigilated exams so as it stood historically, when it comes to exam time, USQ runs about 400 exam centres around Australia and, and internationally. And so everyone comes to the one spot to do their exams and, yeah. and we're, we're supervised. And so that couldn't be done. And so that caused us the most grief about, okay, so every exam now becomes open book, open internet. And you've got to start asking different sorts of questions to, to meet those same objectives or assess those same objectives. And so that was quite a, quite a shift for some people who are quite comfortable in the way they've been operating for a while. And it, and it, most, it, mostly, it mostly worked, yeah. I, I think. Yeah. Um, and it's just really hard to, like, like students studying online, it's the social isolation that, that that's a real problem and we try really hard to try and get them connected to other students. So residential schools are great, but people tend to put them off um, because they're expensive to come to Brisbane or Toowoomba for a week. Mm. But what they tend to find when they come and do the first one is they, they're suddenly with 60 people who are in the same bucket as they are. Yeah. And there's 60 people who they're all stuck there for a week as well. You know, look, look, uni's changed a bit when I was younger because people are, you know, 
they work more than they did when I was at uni and they're still connected to their old social circle. There's a whole bunch of hanging around doing nothing uh, between lectures when, when I went to uni and that's when you're young, hanging out is a way to establish, you know, relationships with, with people. Yeah. Hanging out, going so, to the bar. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, just just going, you know, sitting there, nothing else to do, you might as well have a chat. And yeah. so that works really well for people to establish people they're simpatico with. And then you'll see, having done that, those sort of little groups will progress through the program, enrolling in the same courses together because they've got the study buddy or, or something like that. What they've I'm found really their support network. Yeah, what I'm really happy with this this year is we managed, it's not been announced, but as, this is one for your podcast. Um, <laughs> Surveyors Trust is going to fund about 50 or 60 travel bursaries a year for USQ students to come to these residential schools. So that's that's a really substantial amount of money they're putting up to, to oh, facilitate. Yeah, and that's, that's really forward. Um, forward thinking of them and, and I, I really appreciate that they've done that because we you know we want especially those who aren't working in surveying we want to just take away an impediment and if yeah. someone says yeah. yeah okay you've got to come and do this but but look at these generous people are going to give you, you know, 500 bucks for your return airfare it, I think it'll just be an incentive to people to come and come and do it that's and, that's um, awesome so that, that's what's starting yeah. next year yeah, that's that's the plan. The paperwork's still still being done, but it's yep. it's becoming public knowledge, and um, yeah, and that's that's good of them to to be interested in. So that money's generated in Queensland from the copyright of survey plans, and they're looking to well, how can, how can we use this money in the best interest of the the surveying profession? And they see, as we know, getting. Um, recruiting young people into you know, fill that skills gap is, is still an important thing to do. Yeah. And um, they've been really open-minded about how they can how they can help out. And, and I pitched an idea like this to them, and they, they were very amenable. So, so, so I so think it's a moment they yep. they promised five, five years or so. Yeah. Okay. You 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 so, just mentioned this the skills gap. Um, you've got the same problem in Queensland. As we do here. Yeah, it's it's slightly different here because we have corporate registration, and mm -hmm. so we don't need as many actually sort of nominated registered surveyors. Right. So so the registered surveyor, um, the company can be registered, and so you you need as many people with the skills of a registered surveyor. Yeah. But they don't necessarily actually have to be registered. Mm. They can be registered just as a surveyor or, or even as a graduate in some some circumstance. Okay. They've so, got to have so their degree for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So so there, there is it's still there in a skill sense, but but when you look at you might look at numbers of you know a gap in registered surveyors, it's not going to show up as as badly because there's a whole bunch of people who can fulfill that economic function without necessarily being registered in a personal capacity. That's interesting. Yeah, and, and I like it's, it's good, gives companies a, a lots of flexibility. The downside is it does tend to um, take away some incentive to get 
you know, like you ask, especially one of our graduates spent eight years part-time getting a four-year surveying degree. Mm. And the last mm. thing they want to do is more assessment to get on um, and get get registered. And it, it was good to have a have a carrot, you know, like, like to go, okay, if you get if you get your endorsement, we will pay you X amount more because we need people with that that designation. And, and I think so. So we've had corporate registration since the late 90s. I think that that probably undercut the carrot to step on and get registered. Because mm -hmm. there's a few people, like, like I was always in my life, it's kind of, yeah, what next? So I finished uni, registration was a was a natural step. Okay, yeah. let's go and do that. Yeah, now, now what next? Um, but, uh, you know, I think I'm a bit of an outlier when it comes when it comes to that. Um, mm. So there are, you know, we, we do need carrots built in if, 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 yeah, if we're going to get that, so. With um, the registrations and, well, lack of that you guys have, um, I know that, you know, our profession is changing and there are a lot of people who aren't getting registered. They're happy just to either go to TAFE down here um, or do a uni degree and not even go and do registration. Um, do you think that... Yeah, I think that's fine. Like, like I'm entirely comfortable with that because I look at, at registration and, and we were talking be, before the podcast started about regulation, cadastral registration is a consumer protection function. Yeah. You know, like, like so that those people who are, when Ma and Pa decide to get a boundary identified, Everyone they've got to pick from can do the job, can do the job properly. So yes, it's a problem if there's not enough for consumers to choose from, which is mm -hmm. why numbers is is a problem. But if someone doesn't want to play in that part of the surveying economy, yeah, good luck to them. You know, yeah. like, like, so, so we have registered mining surveyors, we have registered registered engineering surveyors. So, so I don't, I always get really comfortable you hear people talk about registration as being the epitome of surveying and I go, well, no, nah, not really. It's just, it's a choice that yeah. if I want to be, if I want to do the cadastral boy or girl, this is what I've got to do yeah. to function yeah. there. And, you know, I've known as many um, uh, adaptable and clever engineering and, and mining surveyors who just go, actually, I don't, it's funny, so I've taught cadastral surveying for 15 years and it, or more. And it's a funny thing because lots of us go into surveying because we like, you know, four decimal places, nice white lines to walk between. <laughs> and once you get them into the cadastral surveying where, where we're dealing with the common law and we're dealing with the interpretation of evidence and give them answers like, ah, uh, yeah, maybe, We'll see in this circumstance you might do this, yeah, kinda. And and they just get a whole bunch of grey. And some poor guys just their heads explode. They just can't deal with the uncertainty which is cadastral surveying. And and I've often said you know, some of my wins in a teaching sense is guys have decided, well, I now know I want nothing to do with cadastral surveying and they'll go off and be happy doing engineering or mining or you know, or scanning or, or everything else because it's just 
they can't handle the grey. I love the grey, which is why I wanted to be a cadastral surveyor because I like arguing. That that's part of it. But I really like the the, the practical problem solving element of it. I, I like the the way of when stuff doesn't fit in trying to work out okay what's what's gone wrong here and looking at the the history like like you said in the intro I don't mind reading a bit of history. Yeah. I just like the idea of keeping track. Um, but you know, so yeah, you, you've got to look at the registration as an economic function and provide we've got enough to fulfill the economy. Because the big risk would be if we fail to do that, the state then goes and looks at, well, okay, regulation's failing. Um, how about we just change the system? And, and I think the time is to really, you know, like we're playing around at the edges to really think about, okay, can you run a cadastral system which has the same sort of, the same level of certainty but where you need people or you don't need people to have so much training to be able to run it now the, the the problem with cadastral surveying is every year there's more nothing ever goes away and there's a little bit added on every year and it just takes a long time post postgraduate to get to work out how all the levers work yeah. in the whole thing and one way around that would be go okay can we come up with something that's less dependent on the assessment of evidence um, but that's would, would be a radical step um, but I, I think it's really worth looking into but but everyone very very hard and everyone's just playing around with the edges and dip mm. their toe in it and go oh god that that is really really hard and then find something else to do but yeah we're running, running out of time yeah i think um you know i kind of to ask that sort of question because i've seen so many different sides and people's points of view and um you know people complaining that these people are going and doing their degrees and you know spending two years and doing a a rural job which is you know one job that's on the edge of Sydney and then get their registration and really haven't had the experience and then you've got people who have been in the industry for 20 years might not have a degree but have worked with the surveyors that and have learnt on the job sort of thing so I see all these different points of view and how people think it should be and and stuff like that that it's quite interesting to to get other people's point of views on on where you sit with yeah. I'm probably not sure about, you know, like 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 how New South Wales um, assessment of their registered surveyors, their projects, and and the rest. I wouldn't think that characterisation of just doing one survey um, might be excessive. I do. Yeah, I think that's probably uh, somebody saying taking yeah taking it to the. There's there a curious point without telling tales out of school like, like when, when so in Queensland we'd run a number of grandfather processes for those without a without a degree to get to get registered mm -hmm. our first you know compulsory requirement to have a degree was in the 1977 surveyors act so you rolled forward to 2007 where we're having this debate which is 30 years mm. after it's become compulsory. So you can 
those people who didn't know that this was on the agenda when they started are no longer about. And, and we're falling over ourselves. And then we realise on the board at the time of the six cadastral surveyors on the board, only one of them had done surveying straight out of school. Yeah, okay. Everyone else had done something else and had, like they'd all gone with wives and children, had gone back to uni to study, to go, this is what I need to do to get where I want to go. Yeah. And, yeah. and partly a lot of the degree thing, um, and I'm probably going to offend people here, is often it's attitudinal in a sense, like it's hard to do a degree and in a sense that's that's part of its purpose mm. is that someone who has that you know someone who goes this is what I have to do to get where I'm going and choose their veggies and gets there I think is often an indication of the person who's digging for a pin or a pipe on a hot day is probably going to continue to dig not necessarily like not in and of itself, but a degree in a way when, when you look at it from the board's point of view is a risk minimization. Mm. So by the time someone stumbled out of a, a four-year USQ degree, they've done in excess of 120 different assessment exercises around surveying. And so for a little old surveyors board to model something like that, um, is just too hard and too too big a thing. Yeah. So you yeah. go, okay, we know anyone who's done that, there'll be that whole distribution of the 51 percenters. And, and often, often that debate you're characterising there is dealing with people from far ends of the distribution. <laughs> We're comparing the graduate from the very end of their distribution with the person who's had just experience right from the top end of their distribution. Yeah. I think as a regulator, you gotta look at the middle of these distributions. And by and large, I think there is a category difference between those who who've been through the process of getting a degree as opposed to those who who picked it up. Often what you get is a lack of flexibility in that person is very good at doing what they're doing within their context yeah. of their particular company, mm-hmm. what I think you get from graduates is the ability, and, and, and often we get guys who come from TAFE, and I've got to explain how uni, in my eye, is different from TAFE. Yeah. The, TAFE is about how do I do this job now, and uni is about, okay, how do I do this job that doesn't exist in 20 years' time, in 20 years' time? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's our agenda where there is an element of industrial training for your first day but so much of our degree is for you in 20 years time to go okay the world's changed but I'm used to change because I've picked up these skills about how to continue to educate myself like, like we make our guys do a final year uh, research project mm-hmm. the project itself is not the important outcome it's the process of them coming to terms with something entirely um out of their out of their comfort and highly unbounded by nice little white lines to to walk between and just deal with something hard 
and how they how they evolve. And 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 as a survivor, as a survivor, as a as a lecturer, it's always so rewarding because we supervise those students individually, and to see how they grow, those who get stuck in and how they grow over the year, is really really rewarding. Like I had a had a guy this year, and and he'd say to himself that what he finally handed in, he did not think he was capable of doing that at the at the start of the year and yeah. walked away yeah. with so much satisfaction of having done something having done something hard yeah interesting <laughs> yeah it's fun and and this this was the my unseen discovery of going to teach is actually like people i've discovered in my old age I really like, you know, like students and surveying students in general, I can think of, like I've been through about a thousand plus, there's probably only two who've ever really got up my nose. Yeah. By, by, by and large, I really like them as, as a group. Surveyors as a group and surveying students as a group, they're kind of laid back, they're, they're funny, um, they're a bit hard to motivate be honest you know like, um, and there's a lot lots of frustration but in general I kind of like them I don't they're terrible I've got all these faces and I recognize the names I can never with the external study I can never put the two together so so I'm going to conferences and stuff oh, I know and, that feeling <laughs> yeah it's it's terrible but, but it's not that I don't love them but it's just I'm I'm old um but but yeah so so that in in the job as I said the novelty but the bit I didn't expect is is how much I would I would enjoy the students and enjoy the process of yeah of, of teaching of going and cadastres like that especially you see the you see the light come on some people the light never comes on but you can see that point that everyone in the first couple of weeks just sits there with this stunned mullet look on their face going what's this guy on about yeah and through the yeah. semester when you're when you're on campus you can see by the questions they start asking oh you know she's starting to get it yeah or he, he's yeah. starting to get it that light bulb start, yeah they start asking different mm -hmm. different sorts sorts of questions and and you go and that's and that's all their work you know like one of the terrible things i think from all unis in their marketing is no one says studying is hard work yeah. All the marketing yeah. is is happy, pretty people with laptops lying out on the lawn on a nice sunny day. That's not study. <laughs> study is you in your in your frustration and your pain, sitting sitting at home with with your bara and your ignorance, kind of moving yourself from unknowing to knowing. And that yeah. it's like going yeah. to a gym. It always it always hurts in the process, but you change you changed by it. And it is because it's hard is what, what makes it worth worthwhile. Um, and I think it's really sad that unis sell people this wonderful fluffy idea of come and, come and get the degree, it'll be lovely, it'll be easy. And then people come up, come up against the rude reality of all personal growth is painful in some way. And so, so our job is to you know, eat, ease the pain on the way through yeah. Um, yeah but I think being honest with people at the start I think I think helps 
I think as as a university, if they didn't make it look all fluffy and and easy and nice and and yeah. lying on the grass with your laptop and your coffee, then you probably wouldn't get as many people going through. <laughs> yeah, maybe, but but it's it's chewing your veggies. It's a it's a meat. Like certainly within surveying, it's a means to an end. Yes. I want a career as a surveyor. Yeah. Here's the veggies I've got to eat. And what we as universities should compete on is how tasty our veggies are. Now, like how, how good and fresh our veggies are, because they're all at this they're all the same. And one of the things I, I think USQ does, which is beyond just advertising, is is both actually most most unis i think when you talk to the lecturers all of them have all the staff have like a really personal interest in in the students so surveying yeah. because we tend yeah. to be smaller that that's really good i think one of the usq is flexibility i think is is both is, is actually true like, like we spend a lot of time making sure that our programs are, are flexible and, and fit what the students students need, and and I think because we're we're a bit of a, a bigger animal within our within our school than mm. perhaps saying <clears throat> in other places are, so we get a little more freedom um, to to do stuff through our size, um, but but yeah, you know, like I, I have like it's great to like, like we missed out this year. Like to go to graduations and it's, you got to keep telling the guys you know go to your graduation and, and you want to slap them around the face to say mate the graduation's not for you it's for <laughs> people who put up with you while you've been while you've been doing this yeah and, and it's really it's it's lovely to meet some families from from people you know and and you really see and, and usq I think what's fantastic is we get a lot of what they call first in family, the first person to go to university oh, yeah. for their family. And I, and I was like that. I trotted off to UQ with, you know, I had no idea. I was a, I was a babe in the woods. Um, my kids have been, their experience has been entirely different because I've got both my wife and I are tertiary educated and, and we can hold their hands in certain parts. And, yeah. But lots of our people don't, don't have that and it's a really, really big step. And we're really conscious of that with with our students mm. to go mm. that, you know, like we don't expect people to come to us fully formed. We, we certainly hope when they get out the other end, they're, they're ready for a whole bunch of stuff. So so the staff we have certainly in first year and all the rest, it's, um, yeah, okay, radio, you're fumbling to find what your question is. That, that's kind of sorted out. So, so we do that idea of someone who is feeling a, almost like you're a bit of an imposter because none of your family's done this, perhaps none of your friends are doing this. You know, what's what's different about me to end up here? Mm. Um, and we really try and get people to, to realise that, um, that they, they, can, they can do it. Um, but like, you've you got to be, this is, my previous life of wanting to be a social worker, you really got to recognise that achievement for, for different of our students looks like like different things. So yeah. sometimes yeah. the guy that gets through with all the with all the C's 
when you look at the educational deficit he or she started with, the fact that they're able to do that and through the degree to, to meet that minimum standard and then go on and, and lead a happy and productive life is a huge success, not necessarily the people who are getting university medals and, and all the rest. Yeah. And, um, and, and you, I think you see that sometimes at graduation from some of the guys and, and mostly the four-year guys, by the time they finish, they have yeah, little kids and they've got married and all those all those life events and it's really exciting to see because it's it's transformative like my I look at my children's life as opposed to my life and the difference is is I got a, a chance to to get a university education yeah you know, like, like like my my parents you know I, you know like we're not we better call us poor but you know standard sort of sort of working class kind of thing, but what in my family was always important was, was school was important. And so that was communicated through us. And, and so when that's important and I went and done it more out of habit, and then when I realized and go, what a change that's had in my whole, my whole life, what I'm able to do and opportunities are available and it's all to do with really good you know little catholic primary schools teachers put a lot of effort in the high schools i went to the teachers there who really cared about the educational achievement of the kids and, and, mm. and about the whole thing and even less so it certainly not doing science i didn't feel that but coming into surveying at qut there's staff there who, who's that same thing who recognize what how liberating it is so so we've got one of our, our students has been doing some work in Uzbekistan, I think. Oh, and this is, a, this is a guy from the country in which coming to Toowoomba to study was, was a huge step out into the void. And now he's saying to his boss on the way back, oh, do you mind if I stop off and just spend a couple of weeks in India on the way home? Oh. You know, like, like that sort of hang degree has just Changed opened up. Yeah. yeah, like the opportunity to, to go and do it, which is why when things get stressful, when things get hard, I think I'm doing something that's that's worthwhile yeah. and that yeah. makes it easier to put up with, with a deal of rubbish. Yeah, um, I think, uh, I mean, I know you, I know Chris, I know, you know, a few of the, you know, the, the teachers at the universities that I do know, um, just have that passion and that empathy and 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 doing it because they love to see um, as I said you know the reason I did it was that light bulb moment and seeing somebody achieve and going out and doing something that um, you can see that they enjoy and they're happy with and that they've made a difference to themselves it's actually that, that's just occurred to me there was an award thing triple si once and they had had the whole function and the big room and when my name was announced the back of the room all sort of stood up and cheered because they were kind of students and stuff and you go uh -huh. and that defines my life yeah. those people at the yeah. back of the room are much more i care more about what the back of the room thinks than what the ruling classes at the front of the room room, room think you know like, like that's so yeah. I, was, I was pleased i was pleased that, that they are on the side yeah that's 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 nice so uh, I think that's the the one thing I do I do miss from 
from being teaching and stuff going back yeah. to industry I don't have I don't have that anymore and I think I do I do miss that part of it yeah but not every day <laughs> there are some days, some days yeah. I wouldn't miss it there, there is definitely there. some days that uh yeah you you don't want it so <laughs> do you regret your decision to become a surveyor no. I hope you enjoyed part one with Glenn Stay tuned next week for part two.